0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. The kingdom. Amen. I, I'm telling you, uh, when we first started coming to church here, and the first time that I heard Pastor Mark begin to minister on the kingdom, I don't remember ever hearing it like that. And it began to open up to me, just like you say, an entirely different way to look at the word, an entirely different way to see me as a believer and my place in the kingdom of God. And I'm just thankful that I didn't shut that out. That I, I mean, it was a little, uh, rough. If it is the right word, I'm not sure what the right word is, um, I mean, it, like I said, it was something I hadn't heard before. I don't think I have. If I heard it, I didn't hear it. If you know what I mean. Um, but I began to hear it, and and I had to I had to give it grasp a little in my heart. I had to give it time to hear the word that he was preaching, to be able to grasp what he was saying. And I know there's still so much more that we're going to receive as he continues to um, talk on this. And minister on this. But last week, one of the things that he was ministering on was the authority that Jesus walked in as a man while he was here on earth and how he was able to walk in that authority because he was submitted to the father and the father's will. That was Jesus's main goal was to please the father. And he talked about some of the ways that um, that it was in demonstration by healing the sick, casting out devils, Uh, commanding the weather to obey him, and it did, for storms to cease, um, feeding the multitudes with just barely any food at all. And these were just a few of the many ways that he demonstrated the authority that he had as a man on this earth. Um, And one of the scriptures that he read was Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Let's turn there because I want us to see the word. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that the will of the Father hasn't changed? You know, a lot of times when we read the Bible and we read passages of Scripture, in our mind we tend to look at it as something that's in the past. But the Bible is present The Word of God is present. It is today. It is for today. And the will of the Father has not changed. It is still the the will of the Father to see the kingdom on earth. But we know that Jesus is no longer with us, right? He's no longer here on earth. I mean, He's with us, yes, in spirit. But He is not here physically walking on this earth. In um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And also in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, it says, And he hath put all things under his feet, And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So if Jesus was given all authority and he's no longer on earth, then whose responsibility is it to see that the kingdom of heaven is brought to earth? Ours. As believers, it's our responsibility. And the scripture tells us that in Matthew 28. Chapter 16, go ye, and verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, As we're reading these scriptures, I want you to see this in your life. This is present tense. I want you to see this in your life. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you notice that those verses don't begin with, um, if you have time, um, if, if you don't mind, you know, if you're not too busy, If it's not out of your comfort zone, but it says, go, and it says, I have commanded. It is a direct order. It's not a suggestion. We've been given a command. We've been given assignment. But a lot of times we don't look at it as that. You know, we call it the the great commission, but we don't treat it like one. What is a commission? An instruction, a command, or duty given to a person or group of people, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. We have been charged with an assignment. As the body of Christ, we've been given an assignment, a command, or you can call it instruction to walk in the same authority that Jesus demonstrated for the kingdom of God while he was here. We've been given that same command, that same commission. You know, and Pastor Mark has gone through so many scriptures, and I'm sure he will continue, uh, but showing the authority that was given to Adam and Eve and how they chose not to walk in this authority and how that they um, decided, when they decided to eat of the tree and that they they were given an assignment to have dominion and rule over the earth, but they chose to give that authority away. They chose by a decision that they made out of disobedience, they gave that authority away. And did you know that when we are given an assignment, when we are given an order, when we are given a commandment by God and we disobey, we're choosing to not walk in that authority. We're choosing to, to do you, you know, everybody says, well, if Adam and Eve had not messed up, do you really think you'd have done any better? I mean, think about your daily life and and the little things that God tells us to do that we ignore. I mean, we could need to quit throwing stones. I'm kind of glad it was him and not me. Everybody will remember his name. Genesis 1 and 26. Let's just go back there. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he, him male and female created he and he, them. It sounds to me like he gave them dominion over everything on the earth, dominion to rule to have authority that they could use. So tonight I want to ask you, what are you doing with the authority that you've been given? What opportunities are you taking? And what opportunities are you missing? Where are you with the assignment that God has given you? He's given all of us commandments in Matthew and Mark and, and how that we're to go and teach the world that we just read. But then as individuals, we've each been given assignments that God expects us to fulfill. Pastor Chris is an evangelist that ministers to youth. That is an assignment from God. And each one of us have an assignment. Just because you don't stand behind a pulpit or you're not a a teacher in a children's church, doesn't mean that you don't have an assignment. Each of us have an assignment. We've all been given an assignment. In um, Colossians, we'll turn there in just a second, but one thing I want us to think about, if we're not walking in, in our authority, if we're not fulfilling our assignment, I want us to ask ourselves tonight, Why? Why am I not fulfilling it? If I'm not, and there may be some areas of your life that you are fulfilling God's call, you are fulfilling what he's assigned you to do, and then there may be some things that, that they're so far behind you that you don't even know if they're there anymore. But God don't push them to, uh, to the side. We do, but they're there. If he's given you something to do, tonight is the time to turn it around. Tonight is the time to make a choice to do it. Tonight. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Not next year. Tonight. To make a decision. That I'm going to follow the assignment that God's given me. But looking at Jesus' life. Um, I don't know. Today I was just thinking about this. How that. I just want to look at it as a two-fold assignment tonight. One was that he was to pay for the debt of sin on the cross and strip the enemy of his power and authority, placing man back in a right relationship with God. And in um, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, can you put that up there on the, with the passion? Because I, didn't, um, I don't have it with the passion on my paper. Please. Then Jesus, I just love this in the passion. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers And principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. And that was one of the assignments that Jesus had was to strip Satan of his power over us and to bring man back into a right relationship with God. But the second assignment, well, you know, something Pastor Mark said Sunday just kind of stuck with me. There's no promotion without the proven. You know, a lot of times we want to we start out on the high dive and we had not even learned to swim yet. But we need to learn to start where we are. Figure out where we are. If you're not able to swim, learn to swim. If you're not able to learn to, to dive, learn to dive. But start where you are. Don't try to start at the top. Start where you are. But the journey between the virgin birth and the cross would be the time that Jesus was given many opportunities and assignments that would help prepare him for what was to come. And that would mean, to me tonight, the way I'm thinking of Jesus' twofold assignment, that's his second assignment. The first assignment like I said, was to, to come, to live a sinless life, to go to the cross, take our sins on, his, on the cross, die, strip Satan of his power over us, and put us back in a right relationship. And the journey from the birth to the cross to death was all that was in between. And that was a time of preparation, preparing him for the cross. If he had not started, you know, let's, let's look in Luke chapter 2. Let's just see where it does start talking about where he started. Luke 2 and verse 41. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Twelve years old. Skip over to verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast, thou, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? How many of us can say that age 12, we were sitting in front of doctors and teachers asking questions and learning about the Word of God. I know many of you were. But um, how how dedicated are we to, to knowing the will of the Father? Jesus was committed. Jesus was dedicated to the Word. To know the will of the Father. To know what He was supposed to do. You know, a lot of times we just think that He started out knowing everything. I don't. We just see Jesus as the man that had it all. Yes, He did. But He had to discover it. He had to find it. He had to learn it. He had to be taught by the Holy Spirit and by the Word. He had to study. So don't think that you're going to get it any other way either. If you're uncertain about what your your um, what your assignment is, spend more time in the Word and with the Father. Spend more time in prayer and fasting. Because first of all, like we said, it's in Mark and Matthew where he says, go, go, start there. He increased in, let's look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So if he increased, there was room for growth, right? So he wasn't just up here. He was here, and he increased. And he started at at age 12. Uh, He probably started before then, but that's when we have the, the account of it. He increased in wisdom and stature. Jesus was proving the word true and himself faithful with every assignment sent his way to prepare him for the ultimate assignment, from turning the water to wine, healing the sick, casting out demons, calming the storms, Each time he walked in and demonstrated his authority, he was proving the word to be true and learning to trust the Father. He was simply being prepared for what was to come. Had he not experienced all that he experienced, do you really think he'd have been prepared for the cross? Would he be able to trust the Father at that point with death without proving all those years? He had to learn to trust the Father just like we have to learn to trust the Father. He had to prove the word. He had to speak the word. He had to be obedient to the word. And with that, he used his authority, and he grew. He spent time fasting and praying, and he grew. You know, what if Jesus had just said that this task is too much? I can't handle this. He could have. He could have chosen not to follow through. So what if we do that with the assignment God's given us? If we say, it's just too much, I can't do it. Where are we? Where are we with our assignment? Each of us are on this earth for this time, in this time for a reason. And we are equipped to follow through with the assignment that God has given us. You know, in the military, if you leave a job or assignment without permission, you're you're considered a deserter. Thank God the penalty in the kingdom of God is not quite as bad as uh, what it would be in the military. God does have forgiveness. God will allow us to finish our task. He will allow us to get back on track and, and finish the assignment that's been given us. I don't want to be a deserter in the kingdom of God with what God has given me to do. And I know you don't. So let's look at um, David's battle with the giant. Back over in 1 Samuel 17. See if I can figure out where Samuel's at. You know, David, um, he was just doing his own thing. He was tending sheep, his father's sheep. They were not his sheep. Yes, he lived under his father and and his family, but they were his father's sheep. He was being submitted to his father, tending his sheep. And he was also being submitted to his father when his father ordered him to take food to um, the battlefield where his brothers were. And that's where he shows up in verse in chapter 17, beginning in verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? First of all, I want us to recognize that David recognized. Who his opponent opponent was, he recognized that he was uncircumcised. That he was not a follower of God. He was not in the kingdom of God. He didn't have a covenant with God. And that's the first thing he did was recognize who his opponent was and recognizing who he was. And when we're in a battle or when we're facing opposition, we need to recognize who our opponent is. And not see, not become inferior to them, but know that if they're not, if you're standing with God and they're not, they're inferior to you. The enemy is inferior to you if you stand in God, if you're a believer. So, how do you see your opponent? In verse 32, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. It's kind of funny to me that David's the one fixing to go to battle, and he's telling them, don't be afraid. Don't worry. God's got this. I'm the one going out there, but don't worry. There's no reason for you to fear. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And don't think that when God's given you assignment, and you decide to stand up and, and, and follow it through, that everybody's going to be with you that they're going to support you, that they're going to be behind you. You've got to know that you've heard from God and you've got to know where you stand because not everybody's going to support. They're going to try to talk fear into you. They're going to try to tell you that that what you're doing is foolish. But if you know you've heard from God and you know God has placed you somewhere to do and fulfill an assignment that he's given you, then you got to stay strong. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. And what I want us to see here is he was proven. All this time he was preparing for this battle. He was proven. He was being proven. "'Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, "'and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. "'See, moreover, he hath defied the armies of the living God. "'David said, moreover, "'The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion "'and out of the paw of the bear, "'he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine.' "'And Saul said unto David, "'Go, and the Lord be with thee. "'And also David spoke out his victory.' He spoke out what was going to happen. Had he started uh, toward that giant yet? Yes, with his words. Maybe not physically. He had not advanced toward his uh, enemy. But in the spirit, with his words, he was making advancements. He was setting the course. He was setting the path, preparing the way. And that's what we need to do before we step out on the natural. You better be making sure that you're setting the path in the Spirit. That you're putting your words out there. Words that line up with the Word of God. Speaking that victory. Creating that path. Get lost here. In verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. You cannot go to battle with someone else's armor. If you haven't proved the armor, don't put it on. Don't take it into battle. If it's not yours, don't wear it. But we have to prove with God and with the word our own armor. David would not go to battle. He'd have probably been killed if he'd have gone to battle with somebody else's armor. But he was standing on what he knew. You know. So, what does that mean? It means you got to exercise your faith. Not everybody that you pray for might get healed. When you first start praying for people, they might not get healed. But you stand on the word, and you continue to stand on the word, and you continue to stand on the word, and you continue to stand on the word. the word. The word will not fail us. The word will not fail us. The word will not fail us. You continue to stand on the word and you exercise your faith until it begins to grow and you become strong. And then when, you, when, you, when the opponent is standing before you, you can stand strong and you can stand in the armor that you've proven over time and time again, knowing that. Knowing without a doubt that the word of God is what you're standing on. You're not standing in your own strength. You're not standing in somebody else's armor. But you're standing on what's been proven by the word of God in your life. I want to fulfill what God's put in my life for me to do. But it's not just going to happen if I don't move forward. I mean, if I come back here and just sit down, say, okay, God, I'm here. What are we going to do? No, what are you going to do? It's not going to happen. Fifteen years from now, you'll be saying the same thing. In Thirty years from now, you'll be looking back saying, what did I miss? Where did I mess up? And if you did do that, or if you have done that, Get up, stand up, take the word where you are, and begin to move forward. We are in a kingdom of God. There is forgiveness. There is fulfillment in his, in his word. There is strength and there is power in his word. He will not forsake us. He will not leave us. He will fulfill his word, so don't let it leave you. Don't leave it behind. Don't allow the enemy to strip you of what God's put in your heart. I don't care if it has been 30 years. You're still alive. You're still breathing. You're still here. You still have time. Fulfill what God has given you. Moses. Let's look at Moses. Exodus. Chapter 3. Moses is a great example of this. He wondered for how long? Talking about somebody that didn't know who he was. He was raised as an Egyptian, only to find out that wasn't who he was. And then when he tried to help his people, they turned against him. So he just ran. He left. He hid for for many, many years. Exodus 3, beginning in verse 2. So Moses, um, we are talking about Moses. Anybody ever heard of the burning bush? Verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. First of all, he took the time to look. Sometimes we're so busy that we don't even see the burning bushes around us. We don't even hear God's voice. We're in fast motion, and it's not with God. But Moses had to stop. He had to look. Hey, there's a burning bush. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. It's just neat to me that God didn't speak until Moses turned aside to see. You know, we we just expect God to, to speak in our busy lives and he's saying stop take time with me take time to hear what i've got to say and he said draw not hither put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground and then over in verse 10 Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So his his, uh, assignments begun. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Have you ever um, felt that God was telling you to to do something and you're like, (laughs) Who am I to do that? Are you kidding me? You want me to do that? Are you sure that you're talking to the right person? But how many times do we focus on who we are or who we're not instead of who God is? Who is God in our life? Not who I am or not who I'm not, but who God is. Verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and what, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Moses just continues to give excuses. I mean, God's given him assignment. He took the time to, to stop and listen to God. God gave him an assignment and and he just continues to make excuses and god said unto moses i am that i am and he said thus shalt thou say unto the children of israel i am hath sent me unto you then over let's jump over to chapter 4 t- chapter 4 in verse 1 and moses answered and said but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the reason I want to read these is because I want you to see that all this time, the Lord's convincing Moses, What I'm telling you will work. What I'm telling you I want you to do. And he's showing him... Um, a miracle, you can call it what you want to. He's showing him his power. When Moses is being obedient, he, God is showing him his power. But if he doesn't take those first steps, if he doesn't cast it on the ground, he's not going to see the power of God. He, God has given him instruction and he does it. And God shows him his power. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Boy, that better be God if I did that. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. You know, sometimes we feel like the things that God is telling us is insignificant. But there's a reason he's telling you each instruction. And this is just another instruction that he's told Moses to do. And as Moses is obedient, he's showing him his power. I'm setting you up for the great escape, for the great exit. Because if he had not seen these, if he had not been obedient here and seen the power of God here, would he have believed when they got to the Red Sea? And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, then they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take off the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. What does that sound like? Another excuse? Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or death, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. <laughs> Do you think God gets mad at you sometimes? I mean, could you imagine if you were over a group of people and you had a, a, a large assignment that needed to be done, and you begin to give out orders, you begin a, assigning different people to different things, um, and all you heard was excuses. And if everybody doesn't take their place, the assignment will not fall go through. The task will not be followed through. It will not be accomplished you're going to be aggravated. If you run a business and you assign people um, with instructions on what to do and when to do it and they don't do it, the business is not going to go very well. In the kingdom of God, we have assignments. We have assignments that we are to follow through with. Are we taking up those assignments? Why? If we're not, why? Is it because we don't feel like we we can speak when God tells us to speak? Who am I? I don't I, I I I I can't talk. I might stutter. They're not gonna listen to me. Who do you want me to tell them? Sent me. I can't do this. Those people don't even like me. And they're definitely not gonna like me after I tell them what to do. Or that I've been talking to God and He said this. But when God gives an assignment, he he gives us everything we need to follow through. And there is a reason for the assignment. There is a reason that we have been given a task. There is something for the kingdom of God that he wants accomplished and he wants it accomplished by you because he's given you the task. He didn't want Aaron to do it. He wanted Moses to do it. And he still spoke to Moses the words that Aaron was to speak. Thank God for his mercy on us. verse 15 and thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do and he shall be thy spokesman unto the people and he shall be even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth and then thou shalt be to him instead of God and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs so the rod that 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 um was proven was the rod that was going to help with the uh, the great exodus fast forward over to exodus 14 in verse 9 i jumped all the way over to numbers so they've made the exit out of um egypt and they've been traveling in verse 9 but the egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside somebody before somebody <laughs> And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. You know, you can, um, you can help bring people out of slavery and out of bondage. And then they're just going to fight you over it. They're going to be mad at you for helping them get out of it. Because just because you came walked out of bondage doesn't mean that bondage is not going to try to take you back in. And they're going, there, there comes a time when you're going to have to say, no, I'm out of this bondage. And I'm not going back under. And there's times that you're going to have to help those people that are arguing with you about it. And stand strong where you are and, and where you know that God has brought them to. And remind them that God will deliver. And God will keep He's delivered you out. Now he's going to keep you. But you have to continue to move forward and continue to be obedient and continue to stand strong. Verse 12, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Let's go on down 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Now that, you know, that, he's speaking this out, but at the same time, they're about to have a sea in front of them and an army coming up behind them. That is a little bit hard to just put your trust in God when you've got that type of vision behind you. But a lot of times that's where we find ourselves. There's a wall in front of us, an ocean that's going to drown us, and an army, the enemy behind us. And we feel that we are cornered, that there's no way out, but God. They could have died there, but God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore, Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And then in verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood between them. Is that not just like God? And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. If you're in your darkest hour, God is still there. When you think you cannot finish the task in front of you, God is still there. He has not forsaken you, and he has not stripped you of what you need to finish the task. He's still there. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. You know, we look at that like, Yay! I got a, I got a, an open path here now that I can walk through. I don't know about you, but I'd be looking at the water on each side thinking, oh, I don't want to go through there. I mean, it, it, it came back, but... I'm not so sure about that because I'll get about halfway across and I know what's going to happen. I know y'all don't do that. Okay. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. You can't tell me that there wasn't fear in that camp when they stepped foot on that dry land that previously was water. And there's going to be times that you're going to have to put your foot forward when everything in you, in the natural, is full of fear. But the God in you is greater. The God in you is stronger. And it's in Him, it's in His strength, it's in His ability that you're walking forward. It's not in you. And it's okay to have a fear as long as you've got As long as you're trusting in God. When I say it's okay to have fear, I mean in the natural, I'm sorry, fear is going to come. And it's going to try to take over and it's going to try to stop you. So when fear comes, it doesn't mean that you're defeated. It means that you're just going to have to stand up, look to God, start speaking the word, and move forward. Because fear is going to try to grip you. It's going to try to stop you. It's going to try to make you feel inferior. It's going to try to make you think you're not enough. But that's when the word of God is strong within you. The word of God is what's going to take you through. Where did we stop? 23 is where we'll start. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians." I mean, there's still an amount of fear. We've crossed over, but looking behind me, they're coming. And, and, and they're still dry land and they're still coming. But God, and we try to fight battles in the natural. But the Lord went in their camp. The Lord troubled their chariots. The Lord messed them up, (laughs) drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them. The Lord fighteth for them. We mess up by trying to fight our own battles and the Lord wants to fight them for us. He wants to be the strong one instead of us fighting in the natural, instead of us fighting one another, instead of us fighting... um, In the natural. Let God fight in the spirit. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea to skip down to 31. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Tonight. I got two questions for you. What are you going to do with the commission that God's given you? And the next one, are you going to run away, hide, or finish strong? Let's not just run our race, but let's finish strong. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God.